0: Each Monday, they discuss, dissect, and debate a single issue impacting the world of promotional marketing from every industry perspective. Now, it's time for Promo Corner's Industry Insider. Welcome to another edition of the Industry Insider, your promotional products podcast, where you can get all the nerdy news you need to know about. My name is Jeff Franklin, National Accounts Manager with Hidware USA, and I'm joined today by two other lovely folks. But before we get to them, I got to tell you, this incredible broadcast that you're about to tune into is brought to you by our good friends over at Turvis. Uh, Look, Tervis has been around since 1946, and they're celebrating 75 years in business, and they started with their classic line. They've got sleek styles that make perfect for the active and on-the-go lifestyle. Uh, Tervis is the original double-wall insulated drinkware that keeps your cold drinks cold and reduces condensation, and it's backed by a made-for-life guarantee, which is awesome. Uh, Available in several sizes, including a 12-ounce mug, 16-ounce or 24-ounce tumblers, and a 24-ounce water bottle. Made from Triton plastic, made in America, lifetime warranty, dishwasher, and microwave safe and BPA-free. So go check them out at turvispromos.com for more information. Uh, Why don't we say hi to Meg Erber. Meg, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I don't know if you saw my green shake that I was drinking. I did not. (laughs) I sweetened up with some peaches, but the peaches don't go well with the celery and the kale or something. I don't know, but I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So just a heads up kale and spinach are are actually okay with a little bit of fruit, but uh, the celery is very overpowering in my opinion, when you try to throw that into into one of those.
1: There's like apple. I don't know. It's not bad, but there's like cayenne and turmeric and ginger and all good stuff, but (laughs)
0: <laughs> very good. Well, we're we're uh, joined today by a very very special guest, ASIS President and Chief Executive Officer Tim Andrews. And uh, super excited, pumped to have you. You actually took some time away from vacation to join us today. Super appreciative of it. Uh, but Tim, why don't you say hi? And then it, it is customary for us around here to give you a good three to four minute introduction uh, to you know tell us how you got started in the in the uh, promotional products industry and what you've been up to since.
2: Great. Well, thanks very much for asking me uh, to join. And I'm certainly glad I'm not in person with at least one of the two of you because I wouldn't even want to smell what she was describing that she was drinking. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm happy that, that we're at a distance for the first time. I've been happy to be on Zoom in a while. Um, so I joined the industry about 18 years ago. You know, I had a, a phone call from a headhunter who said we've got a very interesting opportunity uh, at a family-owned business. And um, I met the Cone family, and I didn't even know this was an industry. Uh, you know, I, I certainly knew that I had used promotional products in many ways, personally and professionally over the years uh, that I had been in business, but I didn't know that it was a $15 billion industry back then, I think, and um, came in and I thought it was probably a three or four year gig, you know, to, to work here. And then I would move to something else. But like so many people in this industry, I, I popped in and you can't pop out once you're in this industry, you know, people stay. Um, and so I really fell in love with... Um, The people I work with, with the family that you know has owned ASI since 1962, um, and the people that are in the industry. I mean, we have incredible colleagues across every distributor and every supplier firm. I mean, it you know what they all do is is just great, and I've been so happy to be in the industry, and I intend to be here until I I'm not working sometime in the future, far in the future, I hope. Sure.
0: Well, I do actually want to just say congratulations and a, and a quick thank you as well for for having the uh, the courage and bravery to go ahead and host ASI Chicago, uh, the first nationwide large uh, conference. So thank you very much for doing that and putting that on. I'd, I'd actually love to get some of your feedback as far as what that planning process was like and uh, you know any uh,
2: sort of sinking feelings that may have led up to that. Yeah, it was it was gut wrenching. I mean, um, what a difficult. for for all of us who are in any sort of an event business. And of course, we host events. Everyone listening, though, attends events. And so um, it was really a very difficult year or so in terms of the staffing, in terms of what we had to do with the show, but also prepping for that. We had had to make the decision in early March about whether we would be able to have a show or whether we wanted to produce a show in July. And that's because in each of these cities, there are multitudes of contracts that you have with the convention center, with all the different venues, um, with the food, people, the hotels, transportation, all those folks, and so you have to furnish, you have to really finalize those several months in advance. And so, when we actually made that decision, a small team of us made that decision. Um, it was about a million dollar decision. If, if it hadn't gone off, we would have probably lost close to that number. And uh, and at that time, you couldn't have more than about twenty or thirty people in Chicago in a room. I don't care how big the room was. So um, even the convention center was saying to us, "We don't know that you can actually have a show here in July. We think you should move it to the fall." And I said, you know, I, I get a feeling the vaccinations are starting to roll out. People are getting vaccinated. People are feeling comfortable. I think that we're all getting a little stir crazy in our homes. And I think by July, people are gonna wanna be traveling and be on the road again. So we, we made that call and it turned out to be a really good call sandwiched between, you know, a pandemic and then sort of re, a, a refreshed pandemic. Unfortunately, that we're, we're, we seem to be in a little bit now. So our timing turned out to be fortuitous. And I think the people that were there really appreciated that we had the show and we're able to pull it off. And, and our survey show, our, our suppliers told us, um, we're, we're off the charts with them in terms of their viewpoint of the show. We, we, we set records in terms of their feedback of, of how they thought about the show. So we're really happy with the outcome.
0: Yeah, I know. I I personally would normally go to ASI Chicago, and I, I wasn't able to this year. But uh, the president, Nick Mirch, uh, he did attend, and uh, his he had nothing but great things to say. Said so everything that he heard on the floor. The buzz was great, um, you know. So I think you guys definitely made the right decision, and just you know, I, I I'm really appreciative of it because I know our industry needs it. We need to you know press on and move forward, and. Uh, So thank you for that. But uh, one of the reasons why I asked that question was I kind of had a a segue into, you know, I know just recently one of the largest distributors in our industry has just put out a notice that uh, their national show that they do, uh, they're mandating the vaccine. So, I mean, is that something that came up in conversation with ASI Chicago? Is it something that you guys will uh, consider moving forward? Because I think it sets a pretty large precedence. uh, And regardless of what side of the table you're
2: on, it it means a lot uh, to everybody involved. So. Yeah, we did think about that. We actually had processes in place before, uh, about a month before the show, that were, would have required us to to do temperature checks every day and to do all sorts of other things. But we decided to follow CDC guidelines at that time, which didn't require any of that and did not require people to be to be um, to be masked if they were vaccinated. And so, um, you know, I think that I did see that that news, you know, about that distributor firm. I, I think we're all making decisions, and we just have to look inside ourselves and say, what do I feel comfortable with? Um, as an organizer of an event, as somebody who's attending an event. And I think all of us are sort of searching for what's the right answer going to be. Um, uh, I don't know what we would do today if we were having Chicago next week. Um, I probably would would have more precautions in place, frankly, at this point, because of the Delta variant uh, and other variants. So, um, you know, I think people have to make whatever call is right for them. And there'll be some people who decide not to go to that event, probably, and that's okay too. I think we have to be very accommodating for people. That whether they're employees or whether they're whether they're customers, that we have to be realizing people are making their own personal decisions, and we we can't hold anybody accountable to their decision except themselves.
0: Yeah, I think one of the one of the things to uh, really consider as well is that I mean the vaccine is still under; it's not FDA approved. It is under emergency use uh, only, basically. So I mean, there's repercussions with you know mandating that kind of thing without it being fully approved as well. So I mean, I think there's there's stuff you got to consider on both sides of the spectrum for sure, but um meg did you have anything you wanted to say in regards to that uh before we move to the next topic i mean i i'm i'm kind of tim and i are dominating the conversation i want you to be able to get a word in if you you No,
1: it's fine i have um again i think the vaccination is such a personal little thing i don't even really want to talk about it but um it's it's a tough and that's a strong stance to make that's that's all i want to say about that that's a very strong stance to make Absolutely. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, we are here to talk to you about uh, basically the the 2021 state of the industry and the uh, information that ASI gathers every year. You guys, first of all, you guys have an incredible team that does the research and all of that. Like, I love what you guys do more than anybody else out there because the information is always so good and so useful. You guys put together great infographics to really help uh, in, in the sales mode of things. Uh, so, really appreciate you and your team for that. But uh, this this just recently came out, and would love to go through some of the segments of the of the um, of the state of the industry if you if you'd want.
2: Sure, absolutely. Uh, and thank you for the compliments. I mean, our team is is awesome. I mean, I'm really proud of the work that our research and our editorial teams do uh, that cover the industry both digitally and in print. Um, let's start first about sort of the second quarter. So, you know. 2020 is sort of old hat a little bit now, you know, in the second quarter, uh, sales were up about 27%. That's measured based on what distributors have told us, you know, in all of our research. Uh, That's the first year over year quarterly increase since the second quarter of 2019. Um, But of course, you know, year over year occurred in relation to a disastrous second quarter of 2020. So, um, so you know, we're happy it's up, not, not unexpected that it's up in the second quarter. Um, I think one of the more telling pieces of that, though, is we have something called the, the counselor confidence index. And the counselor confidence index was around 112 uh, pre-COVID, and it dropped down to, gosh, I think it was probably in the 60s or something uh, during COVID. And it really measures how distributors feel about the optimism they have for the industry. We're now at 96, so the baseline's 100, that's sort of, you know, that's the baseline. We're at 96 in the second quarter. So that's, you know, an incredible place to be considering that, you know, just a few months ago, we were 20, 30, 40 points below that. So I think people were very positive. I think that, you know, 2020 was a very difficult year for everybody. PPE, we should all still be very proud of what we did in terms of PPE. It really saved so many uh, industry players, suppliers, and distributors. Um, I think it proved that, you know, our customers really trust us. You know, end buyers said first to distributors, I need PPE to save my friends and my family and my customers. And we were there. And uh, and I think suppliers did a great job of of picking that up and really, you know, doing great work in that period as well. So, you know, I think that, you know, we're in a great building mode right now. You know, I think that there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, The second quarter was maybe special because it was sort of pre- this sort of reactivation a bit of some of the COVID, COVID variants, but um, some really great strong markets in the second quarter, healthcare was very strong, education's picking up, people are gonna go back to school, people are planning for sports teams and all sorts of things in the fall, construction is incredibly powerful right now, manufacturing has come back, real estate is hot in basically, I think every city and every burg around. Uh, <clears throat> around. Um, so I think there's a lot of very hot hot markets that are going on that are gonna really help us in the second half of the year. Sure. Meg you look like you were about to
0: say something so I'm going to I'm going <laughs>
2: to Sorry Meg.
1: No, it's okay. It's 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 great because I took all these notes about, you know, second quarter versus last year second quarter. So it's funny, we were internally we did a lot of research and what our customers were seeing over the last um the last 12 months and then we are comparing it to 2019. So if you think we're up 20% this quarter, right? I'm sorry, second quarter 0.7. for last year, right? So how 0.7. is that based Okay, based off of 2019 numbers. Like where is that? Are we still Are we on par with 2000s? I'm sorry, 19, 2019,
2: yeah. Yeah, we're still down. So, you know, we last year we dropped about 40, 45% in the second quarter. So we dropped 45%. We came back 27% off that lower base. So we're probably still down 25, 30%, I would say, probably in the second quarter. Um, But we're building. You know, the, the fact that we were up is great news. And we're seeing it in all of our, you know, ESP is the... The platform that we use that is used by about 65-70% of the industry to do searching on uh, by distributors. And we're seeing that move up. It's been moving up every month in terms of the number of active users, the number of times they log in, the number of searches they do. Uh, and that's been really, a, that's it, at, at uh, levels in the last two months we had not seen before before COVID. So definitely things are coming back and it's across the whole country. It's not just in certain areas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now of course we've got supply chain things to worry about. So I mean you, you talked about that counselor's uh, confidence index at being 96. I mean, I think that's actually a really great to hear considering the issues that we're dealing with with the labor shortage and uh, supply chain issues and length of time production, all these sort of things. So that's really uh, uplifting and great to hear that, that
2: people are still you know very confident in where we're headed yeah, it's really tough to be confident, you know, given all those things. And we all see it, we all hear about it every single day. Um, And it goes back, you know, and and they're now having some some COVID outbreaks in China that have now closed some factories in some areas there again. So that's going to provide another sort of hiccup, unfortunately, probably in the supply chain. And the supply chain is a lot more complicated than people think. This isn't a mug, only a mug or, or some other product that is being shipped from one point to, from point A to point B. You know, it's all the inputs that go into creating that mug or that product, whatever it is. And so you know, uh, one of the suppliers was telling me the other day, you know, we were talking about backpacks, for instance, and he was talking about the number of places where all the parts that make up a backpack pack come from and how there's a shortage in each of those pieces and there's delays in getting all those pieces to the place where they're actually then manufactured and pulled together to make a backpack. And so I think it's it's not just an A to B spot. This is uh, seven spots getting to one spot, getting to another spot. And, um, you know, we had... 16, 18 months of demand problem on in the promotional products industry where demand was down and was muted, and now it looks like we're going to be facing 12, 16, 18 months of supply problem, um, and we we certainly didn't anticipate that. Uh, but uh, I don't see a turn fast. You know, everybody I talked to is saying we're six months, eight months, nine months out from having that really rectified, um, and so we could be you know in the second quarter of next year before we really feel a sense of. Back to normalcy for inventory and and uh, and, and product
1: yeah i'm think- oh, sorry real quick i was gonna say i think when covid first hit and, and things shut down for for the two weeks and people i think it was the nba or someone they were like yeah we're, we're not expecting to get back until you know this summer june july and we're all laughing like that's a little dramatic don't you think and here we are more than halfway through 2021 and we're talking about 2022 second quarter And it's like, that's reality. That's not even thinking, okay, we're not even being dramatic. That is reality. And I think a big part of it is because of the supply chain issues, like you just said. Um, Listening to all the industry podcasts, um, 58% of suppliers have explored sourcing alternate countries due to the uncertain trade issues and everything going on with China. So then you have, but none of them, none of these other countries, Mexico, you know, anywhere have the infrastructure that China does. So they can't, compete on any level. So that's why you know all these places that these other pieces are coming from are trying to also now not just do that, they're trying to do everything else that's being sourced there. Are you seeing a bigger take in now USA made searches because of that? I know probably pre-pandemic, yes. But then people's self-preservation probably took over and they were like, well, I can get it cheaper and over there.
2: <laughs> you know, I would love to, I, people ask me this question all the time, and, and I would love to say yes. We, we had, you know, only about one to three percent of searches in ESP um, are people looking for something made in the U.S. specifically. And that ticked up maybe one percentage point during the pandemic and sort of in the last, you know, six months, say, but it's, it's not measurably different, frankly. Right. So while people talk about Made in USA, I think that in reality there's so few products on the hard goods side especially that that's just a it's, it's a difficult thing there's certainly some proud suppliers some great suppliers and I would urge people to, to look at those suppliers but the reality is uh, people are searching for a product that meets their need at a price point that they want and you know their focus on USA is just it, it people talk about it but they don't do it yeah yeah, I,
0: I, I was going to say, I'm not surprised by that at all, to be honest with you, because I mean, even even if you try to source in the US, we're, we, have this, we have the same labor issues, if not worse labor issues than anywhere else in the world right now. Um, you know, so th- we, we, don't have the production capabilities, we don't have the infrastructure to be able to take care of those orders. So the more people that do, you know, lean into that is only going to make the production times blow out even further. And we're just not gonna be able to keep up. I mean, look, you can still produce in China and still air it in faster than you can do a USA made product, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and it's cheaper in, in most mm-hmm. cases, even with the inflated air freight prices. So wow. I'm not surprised by that at all.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, I was also looking at the the rush orders. um, How in the past, the rush orders would be the cause of the errors, you know, and now the the rush orders have gone down, but the delays haven't. The delays are still going up. Um, They're counting that to, you know, the labor shortages, people furloughing last second quarter, because if you weren't selling PPE, right, then then you weren't really needed because that's all that people were buying last second quarter. Um, What is it the labor shortages people coming back to work. So then you and then when you're rushing it's causing these errors because you want to just hurry up and get it done, you know. So I mean, are we missing something else like is there more to what else is causing these um, these errors you think in this industry because it's a big problem right now.
2: It's a huge problem. I think also frayed nerves, I would add to that. I Mm. think that people have, you know, short tempers short fuses. you know, and when people are making decisions, they want to buy something, they really want it quickly. I, mean, I think I think and, and that that whole rush thing, you know, that's permanent. That's going to be here forever. People are always going to want product. Amazon has taught people that they can get a product in 24, 48 hours. And people miss the part about it's a custom product when you buy a promotional product or mm-hmm. that it's 5000 pieces, not one, you know, that you're buying on Amazon and, and, and the Amazon piece is not imprinted. So I think people have got this expectation, though, that they can order very quickly, very close to something and and get it. And that's not going to change. I mean, I I think suppliers need to really figure out over the course of a long period. And and they've been doing By the way, suppliers have done an incredible job in this entire pandemic and all the things that they've dealt with, uh, because they were. You know, in some cases, essential employees. So they had employees in 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 places where not many people were going into offices or into factories, and they were producing through incredibly difficult times. And so, I want to give them a, a big shout out. But I think suppliers overall, in the next three to five years, have to continue to make improvements in automation and all sorts of other things, so that they can turn an order the day they get it. I think to me, that should be the goal. When the order comes in, it ought to be out the same day. And I know that's a huge thing for some people, and it's a very big. Uh, project, you know, to undertake, but that's the expectation of customers and that's going to be a real differentiator for suppliers who can't make that happen. So I think, um, I think suppliers really need to stay focused on that through this very difficult time there, but I, I think frayed nurse I, I would add that to your list is this. Okay.
1: <laughs> and I also think, um, you know, for distributors, the biggest thing sector that they were seeing the growth in when going back to the sales margins was the e-commerce, you know, and uh, the advice that I'm seeing being given, if you're not jumping on that e-commerce bandwagon, you need to, like that's the future. And it kind of also plays into what suppliers could be doing is invest in technology, invest in yourselves. You guys need to be able to help these distributors. If you want to see that growth in that business, then that's where they're attacking because that's where the business is. And we need to be able as suppliers, accommodate them. Um, with those company stores, the web stores, the printing aspect of it, um, being able to educate them on you know and the expectations as well of what the time frames. But I think just partnering with the distributors and, and the, you know vice versa, to come up with a game plan is the best way to go. But yeah.
2: I think one of the things that suppliers and distributors could do and we're, and we're trying to help this you know, at ASI on our platform is make reordering easier you know, uh, such a large number of orders are really reorders. And and if they're not identical, they're pretty close to identical. And I think that we haven't done a good job of looking at that and saying, if that's 25 or 30% of the industry or, or whatever that percentage is, um, you know, what do we do to make that at least more streamlined? And I think that could be really helpful for distributors and suppliers to focus on as well. Sure.
0: So you had mentioned that uh, you think suppliers should continue to sort of increase in the infrastructure and the ability to maybe turn in 24 or 48 hours even. Um, Do you think that the the market will be able to absorb the cost, the additional cost that that will take? Because I mean, obviously, it comes down to infrastructure. I mean, Standard production times right now are, you know, say three to five days, but, you know, right now, because of the situation we're dealing with with production shortage and all or uh, labor shortage and all that, I mean, we're, you know, 10, 12, 14 days out. Some, some people are even further than that out for production. So how do you shrink uh, a 14 day production down to one day without throwing people at it? And people cost money, you know, especially competing with Amazon at 20,
2: $25 an hour. I mean, you've got to pay people more. Right. I think you've got to do it through automation. And I don't have all the answers, but I, I, I just think over time people are going to expect faster turns. They're not going to ex- they're not going to accept higher prices though. So this is this is like the a business question we always have: How do we do more with fewer resources, the same resources that we have, and how do you automate that? And I've been in some factories that, by the way, do it great. They get, oh, yeah, the, the turnover is forty eight hours and et cetera. So I think it's about investing in the right things. I think it's about you know making it a priority. Um, I don't have I don't have the answer of how you do it. But but I think we've got to be able to do it. And, and I think you you spread me to 48 hours. I said the same day. So <laughs> I, I think that that's gotta well, be. That's gotta Amazon be
0: hasn't out. figured out 24 hours completely yet. There's still, you know, some know. some things are 24 hours, but the most things are still two days.
2: So think about how differentiated you would be or a supplier would be if they were able to figure it out.
0: No kidding. Yeah. And there's, there, like you said, there are some that have, you know, but I think when, when that becomes the expectation and then every order turns into a 24 hour order, then, you know, it's a whole different ballgame because you got to, there's a lot more going through that, that filter, you know, I think
1: also, you know, the blank apparel suppliers like myself, we've also kind of set that bar on that same day because that's what we are doing. We are shipping out same day, like unless it hits cutoff or there's some electrical storm or for some crazy reason. We are shipping same day, but with that being said,
0: that's a blank though, right? It is blank.
1: That I didn't finish. Yes, it is a blank item. You send that to the screen printer. You're looking at like three weeks to a month right now. Like I don't know anyone that's doing less. So, I mean, the people who specialize in the rushes, yes, but man. we
2: can't, we can't benchmark ourselves on what's going on now though i'm talking yeah. about sort of a longer trending kind of thing where we where, where do we want to get to and where do we go so that when this happens the next time we're better positioned because we won't have all that dependency built into the system how do we how do we optimize that sure again no easy answers
0: <laughs> sure well i mean i guess if you can't get people to go to work you just gotta you know build the robots right <laughs>
2: Hey, I I think automation is as painful as is for people to sometimes swallow. I I think that automation has changed the world since the cars were manufactured in the early part of the last century, right? So I think automation has got to be something everyone's focusing on every minute. Sure. Well,
0: let's talk sales real quick. Uh, So we were we were a twenty five point eight billion dollar industry. And, you know, last year it sunk down to 20 point something. Right. So we were down over five billion dollars. But a very large portion of that 20 billion that we did last year was PPE, Uh, you know, over $5 So, you know, if you take that out of the equation, this industry would have gone from 25 to 15. I mean, that's a huge drop and trying to make that up. So PPE for sure saved our industry. And, you know, you alluded earlier to the Delta variant and things potentially maybe swinging back that direction with mask mandates or whatever else. Uh, Do you see or foresee that that coming up or, or PPE continuing
2: to play a role in what we're doing on a daily basis? Yeah, I think it will continue to play a role. It will not be the role that it played in 2020. And there's two reasons for that. First of all, many of the big buyers in 2020 have now found alternative sources of product at much lower price points than we were offering, you know, in 2020 and early 21. So I think that it will, e- even if we had the same volume of units, the price point has diminished so much that the, the dollar value of that would be, you know, quite a lot less than it was in 2020 for the industry. So um, I think it will continue to play a role. I don't think it'll be a significant role because of those big players, like healthcare companies were big buyers through our channel. They they've they found other alternatives, not completely, but, but many of them have found other alternatives at much lower price points. And so I think we've moved on to more branded merchandise and certainly there's some blank uh, being sold, but I, I think we need we need to get back to what our core is. And I do think that as uh, markets open back up and the events start happening, the schools go back. I mean, we can all really hope that in the second half of the year, as uh, vaccinations tick up to a higher level, and things get back to more normalcy, and people start getting back together at the end of this year, maybe early next year. That will come out of this fine, but it's going to take a few years. You know, driving back to that twenty-five billion dollar number is going to take a while because uh, because of where we landed last year. And and for twenty-one, I, I'm not sure yet whether I'm predicting we're going to be flat or down again. You know, it depends on what really happens in the second half of the year in terms of of sales. We could be we could be off a lit, a bit more because of that big piece of the business that was last year. In uh, pp that's not going to repeat so you think it's possible to be down from 2020 i think it's possible yeah
1: yeah and not only that the sales margins are also lower um the, and that's just the nature of the business right now we have um the sourcing you know sourcing inventory because of let's say you're going to buy you know x y or z t-shirt or hat and you can't but you still need to fill the order because it's a program you have to go to a different competing supplier their prices may be different but you've already on- you have to honor that with your customer you have that people are desperate for business so they're already lowering their margins i mean what can we see moving forward like what what advice do you have for the industry on this
2: well i I would say that um you know we're we're seeing margins you know go down in both distributors and suppliers and so distributors Mm -hmm. have been telling me this as well so i think we're going to see that i think we have to remember that we though are not just in a product business and on the distributor side we're providing a lot of services many distributors are providing a lot of services that have incredible value to people. So, kidding you know, became such an important part of 2020, for instance, and is continuing into 21. So, I think one of the things that distributors need to remember always is that their time is incredibly valuable, their ideas are incredibly valuable, and the, the added value they perform against that product is incredibly valuable, and not to underprice all of that. So, I think that you know, we as an industry often don't value our time. know Mm -hmm. at at the rates that we ought to be valuing our time and so i've had many distributors say to me i spent three weeks on this project and all these hours and they go on and on and it turns out to be like a two thousand dollar order well i'm appreciative of the fact that they wanted to serve their client but they also need to be remembering you know if i'm spending an hour doing this what else could i be spending this hour on and is this the best use of my time so i think we need to make sure we're pricing ourselves properly we're positioning ourselves and that we're working with customers that are the customers we want to work with you know i think that's the other piece of this um you know if if because you can't you can't always solve everyone's problems for free right
0: and actually since you mentioned that because of the inventory problems that people are having on the supply chain side of things you know the the actual closing time of an order is a lot longer right now as well because people are having to find alternatives or you know people aren't fully back to the office yet or back to you know full steam so when they do finally get the approval in the order what stock was there is now not there so there's all those sorts of issues as well so how do you how do you combat that i mean is it just a, a situation of where you know you're, you're You know, foreshadowing what's happening or you you uh, pre-purchase the product and sort of it's available. I mean, what do
2: you what do you think there's is there a solution there? I think there's a couple of things. One is, I think, uh, uh, you know, in the general headlines of the news and the media, there's a lot about supply chain problems in every industry. And so our customers, I think, realize there's inventory problems. I mean, if someone's trying to buy, a friend of mine was trying to renovate a kitchen and couldn't get a faucet for like eight weeks or whatever it was, right? So everyone's hearing these stories, and so I think there's a lot of cover that that's providing. If we sort of think back to three years ago when tariffs were the thing we'd be talking about, you know, on this call and not all these other problems, you know, uh, the reason we were able to sort of work through the tariff issues with China in terms of our industry was because so many people were reading about, it. They, they understood, okay, pricing to be higher because of tariffs. I think, you know, inflation's up, you know, inflation came out in the last day or so. Uh, I think it was like 5%, 5.1% or something year over year inflation. So I think that customers can be already sensitized by the general headlines about the pricing is going to go up and there's some supply chain issues and there's shortages and shortages, you know, always drive prices higher. So I think distributors shouldn't be shouldn't be um, leery of asking for the right price for the product because you're right. You know, in sort of this diminishing uh, inventory, we should be asking for for a higher price point if that's what's fair, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. the product that's there.
1: There's a lot, of, the supply and demand is a big, I mean, this is a whole other thing. I wanna talk about something you already said too, but very quickly, the supply and demand right now is causing the inflation. And you said it's about 5% across the board. So this just came out uh, i think yesterday tyson right it's not even just us this is chicken tyson chicken okay the raises their prices on products 39 percent for pork sorry i can't read backwards 15, 15 for chicken 15. and 11 for beef like that's insane mm-hmm. it's not just the t-shirts and hats and pins y'all it's everywhere it is everywhere um yeah the other thing that you had said was kidding i think the kidding has been so big throughout this pandemic. It was a way to let our customers know we were thinking about them. It was a way to put on a hybrid or slash virtual event because now we're in, we're there with each other with the same kit and the same inclusion. Um, and it's been really, really big. And I think that's only gonna get bigger. The, the problem that I, the only problem that I see with it, and I do have semi solutions is, you know, we even did kidding for our um, promo cares event for the sleep in um, for good. And one of, um, so those of you who don't know, I'm on the board for Promo Cares. And one of the, the five pillars that we you know, preach about and, and it builds us is, a, is sustainability. So with all these kits going out, it really begs, it kind of defeats that purpose. So, I mean, that was one of the things that we wanted to make sure that we touched on when we sent out that kit. We used um, a box from Chameleon Line. It was actually an eco-friendly box that had, um, they have so many kitting options but I don't know if they're the only one. And I feel like we need to definitely be conscious of the kits that we're sending out. We don't just want to end this stuff, end up in the brand fill, make, give it a dual purpose. I mean, is there anything that you see as ASI sees that we can aside from that are there any other options? I mean, I don't want to just everyone be kidding. And now, now these kits are all in the landfill, not the products that they were selling.
2: Right. I think that that's a really great point. And I think our industry needs to be careful. And, and one of the things about kidding is that we also need to make sure that the products that are chosen to be in the kit, you know, are price that people really want, you know, to understand what's the demographic of the audience where these are being sent. Will people really use these? Will they appreciate them? Will they pass them on to others? What will they do with these things? Because you're right, we don't want to end up in the landfill. That's a that's a bad place. Um, you know, one thing that I've seen that was pretty interesting was was someone who used a, uh, a mailer that then turned, that the mailer is actually quite a nice box into itself, like sort of a, a keepsake kind of box. And it had a very simple sort of, um, Uh, wrapper. It was like brown paper wrapper, almost like an, like, almost like a grocery sack kind of thing. And then when you took that off, it was like a box you'd want to keep, you know, to sort of, you know, uh, to have in your home. So I think there's ways to do that, but it's pretty tough. And you're right. We, I I feel incredibly guilty when I order from Amazon or some sort of an e-commerce player and, you know, I get three things in three boxes with all sorts of, you know, stuffing or whatever they have, you know um, we, we don't do a good enough job in our society with this. And you're right. I think we need to help lead the way.
1: Yeah, especially since there is this big push. We need to make sure we're advocating for our industry to do better on that because we don't want it to go away, right? We use promo to sell promo. That is what this industry is about. We are good at our jobs and PPE is one of the things that we took on last year and and now it might be kidding. So we just need to make sure that we do it right. And then we keep sending that message out that just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean you have to follow suit. Just do it better, you know, just do it better. And I think um, that bag that you were talking about, we did one too, and it was a composite bag. So it wasn't a bag that you would actually just throw in the trash. It's something that you could plant um, and then the worms would eat it and it helps grow your flowers. So I thought that was really cool. So yeah. Love that. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah.
0: In the interest of sustainability, uh, this incredible podcast has been brought to you by uh, <laughs> our good friends over at Turvis. all right? And they they, they very uh, heavily focus on sustainability as well. In fact, they, they partnered up with uh, Four Oceans and uh, did an ocean cleanup, uh, a beach cleanup on Siesta Key. And according to Four Oceans, which does the cleanups year round across the world, uh, this was their largest turnout with 1,343 registered participants. uh, And they were able to uh, collect and count the following, 144 straws, 5,877 cigarettes, 463 plastic bottles, 187 plastic cutlery, 355 plastic bags, 234 plastic or foam cups, 1,346 bottle caps—a uh, crazy, staggering mm-hmm. amount of stuff that they were able to clean up on Siesta Key. Uh, but look, they're passionate about their oceans and the, and and, uh, and they care for it and the creatures that call it home. Uh, they're committed to making it a better place and have been for 72 years. Not just because it's trendy or helps sell tumblers, but because it's the right thing to do. So, uh, if you're if you're interested in that or want to get more information or or you want to support their cause, go check them out at turvispromos.com uh, and uh, and get more information. Um, do you have guys have any you know closing remarks? Because I know I want to be respectful of Tim's time and uh, just super appreciative of you jumping in and joining us today,
2: Tim. Great, thanks. I, I just would not one, one thing we we reference the state of the industry report that we do every year at ASI. It's available at ASIcentral.com/news. You can also search reports under the research tab on ASIcentral.com. So uh, great information in this report. It is it is by far the most cited report uh, published in our industry every year. <laughs> And lots of information in there about profit margins and evolving sales methods, emerging markets, sourcing trends, supply chain challenges, all sorts of things. And really it's it's trying to look forward. So it's it's reflective of 2020, but it's really saying, okay, what's 21 and 22 going to look like and how do we get out of this? So um, yeah. I just, people and, and if anybody wants to reach out to me directly, I'm easy to find, tim.andrews at asicentral.com.
0: Well, Tim, we've talked about that great staff of yours uh, on several occasions now. Today, and Melissa Newman already beat you to it. She posted the link for the uh, state of the industry uh, in, in the in the comments uh, probably twenty great. minutes ago. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. Thank you, Melissa. Melissa's always on it. Absolutely,
1: she's awesome. I have one more question for Tim, yeah. actually. Um, I took a lot of notes over like the last couple of days just researching for this podcast, which I normally don't do. But um, what is the best advice coming from you that you could give to the good, the hardworking people of in this industry?
2: It's a great question. I think be proud. Um, you know, I think so often, even before the pandemic. You, know, you talk to somebody what, what they do, a distributor, supplier, a decorator, and they sort of look down at their shoes a little bit and say, Well, I'm this or whatever. You know, I think we should be incredibly proud of what we do in this industry. You know, we we provide the best return on investment for a marketing dollar that anyone can spend in any industry that they're in. The best return on their investment is investing in promotional products as part of their marketing mix. And the second thing I would say about that is we should also be proud of the fact that our industry saves lives in. 2020, And so people have used that bad word tchotchkes, you know, well, this industry, no matter what you call it, saved lives in 2020 and in 2021. And I think we should be really proud of that. And finally, we should be also proud of the fact that when our buyers needed promotional products or just PPE that was not even imprinted, The first people they called were their distributors that were trusted partners of their businesses. And the first people that those distributors called were the suppliers that were trusted partners of those distributors. And I think we should be incredibly proud of that fact. And and further, we talked about kidding. When people wanted to send kits to their top customers or top prospects to their employees at their homes, who did they turn to to give the addresses to that they trusted would do the right thing? They turn to distributors and distributors turn to suppliers. So I think we should lift our heads up. We should be proud of what our industry does. We should be forward facing and think about the future because this is a very bright future for the industry. We will come back. I am bullish on America. I'm bullish on promotional products and um, and I'm bullish on this podcast. So I hope it's it's it's, it's uh, been well for people. No,
0: thanks, Sam. I yeah.
2: appreciate it.
0: All right. Well, with that being said, we'll, uh, we'll get let you guys get out of here. Tim, thank you so much again, especially since you're on vacation. Thanks for taking yeah. the time out. Really appreciate it. And uh, I, I, we could have gone on for another 30 minutes easily, I think, but uh, so much more we could have covered, but really happy with what we were able to, uh, to cover today and just appreciate your time. Great. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. All right, guys. Take care. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corner's Industry Insider. For more great content from
2: industry thought leaders, including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.